Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, welcome to KSL News Radio and Live Mike. So happy to be with you today. We have some guest hosts. I get to be part of this today. I'm Jason Perry, the director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics, and so glad to have. I'm Morgan Lyon Cotty. I'm the associate director also at the Hinckley Institute. It's glad to have you back on the program together here, Morgan. Glad to have you back on the program, Jason. Well, we're broadcasting, broadcasting from the University of Utah. I'm looking out, and I think it might be President Watkins and the two of us working today. Yeah, there's not very many people on campus. Not many people normally on campus anyway because of um, COVID safety, but especially right now after the semester break. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, for those of you, uh, who are listening out there, we have a really great program lined up today. So many interesting guests, lots of different topics, and we're going to get into all kinds of things from our legislature session uh, to what's happening in Washington, D.C. These are going to be some great conversation today, Morgan. So you ready? Buckled up? Let's do it. All right. That's that's good because we want to introduce our next guest. Uh, As Morgan and I were talking about the show, we were particularly interested in what's coming up for for our next legislative session. It starts uh, almost right after the first of the year, a little earlier than it has in the past. And we thought I'd bring on uh, uh, the chief of staff to the Speaker of the House. Uh, You wonder who's doing all the work that's happening in terms of coordinating people on the Hill. A lot of it falls on the great Abby Osborne, Chief of Staff to the Speaker of the House. Abby, we're so glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm laughing because that's very kind of you, but <laughs> thank well, you very see, much. We've for, seen you work your magic for, for a long time. <laughs> hey, do, oh, do you mind if we jump goodness. in? So, so yeah, Abby, one so thing right we're ahead. interested in, I think there's a little delay there and it's going on here. So maybe ask you really quick, because Morgan and I were wondering about this. Uh, things are not going to be normal up there this year. Uh, what kind of arrangements have you made for the legislators to meet in person? And for those of us that like coming up on the Hill, what arrangements have you made for us? Yeah, well, we can. you can do both, actually. So Capitol will be open on January 19th. We've made arrangements um, to have the Capitol open, Capitol grounds open. So all four buildings will actually be open starting January 19th, which is the first day of the legislative session. It's going to happen on a Tuesday this year. Uh, the voters passed Constitutional Amendment F, which allowed us to, uh, the legislature to kind of pick the day. And um, so we will be starting the Tuesday after Martin Luther King Day this year. And um, it will be an early start. But, yeah, Capitol will be open. It will also be available via uh, WebEx and Zoom. So anyone across the world really can access our legislative session, be able to participate in committee meetings, uh, be able to speak and testify virtually. But they can also do that in person, too, Jason. Okay. And so so lobbyists, we're going to be allowed on the Hill a little bit this year? You are going to be allowed on the Hill. I mean, we're going to follow all the social guidelines. Masks will be required. Um, 
you know, we'll we'll make sure that there's social distancing. There'll be work pods set up in the um, in the rotunda and in the Hall of Governors, so no events will take place this year. So it'll be a little bit different, uh, but we're going to train our interns to make sure that the uh, lobbyists and and the general public can can do both virtual meetings or in person meetings as well as long as there's you know safety guidelines followed. So yeah, it's open, well, uh, we- but we're we're going to follow some rules. Well, we appreciate that, too. Uh, and that's one of the questions I've been getting a lot that you just answered also, too, is in those committee hearings, if people are not on the Hill, will, they, will the public still be able to participate? And you clearly have already made arrangements for that, which I think is great, too. So Yeah, the logistics- yeah we've been doing that the last few um, interims, and it's worked really well. So we're, we're letting people across the state who've probably never had access to a, a committee meeting um, be able to join virtually and participate virtually. Yeah, people often ask, how do I get involved? And you are right. I love that, you know, through technology, they're making it easier for people to engage with the committees and with the legislators. But it's always, Utah has just always done a great job of making it accessible to view online and do those kinds of things. But beyond the actual logistics, what's the content? What are, what are you watching for? What do you think are going to be the big issues of this session that people should watch? Yeah. I don't know if you heard that sigh that I just took, Morgan, but um, um, yeah, we've been talking a lot about, you know, what 2021 brings. And obviously with um, the passage and and hopefully the signature of the president, um, that new relief package, um, COVID and the economy exiting COVID-19 will be a hot topic. What does the economy look like? Um, How can we capitalize on... um, an environment in which Utah is really prepared for, both in economic development and infrastructure. How can we, how can we position Utah to be the place to be and the place people place people want to continue to be at? Um, you know, exiting this this pandemic. I think we're really well positioned, but we have policies that we have to pass and we have to really consider um, to make sure we're in a really good position. That could look like bonding for infrastructure. It could look like investing some of our one-time money into infrastructure on all different types of infrastructure, roads, rail, uh, building, water, recreation, all that type of infrastructure that really sets us up for the future, I think is going to be a very hot topic. Um, We've got Point of the Mountain. We've got the Inland Port. um, We've got the Idaho National Laboratories that's looking at, you know, maybe expanding into Utah all big um, uh, economic development projects that I think will be considered uh, really heavily during this legislative session. So I think there's going to be a lot for people to, to sink their teeth into. Um, you know, you, you too, higher ed, what does higher ed look like coming out of a, a pandemic? Is it different? Um, do we need to adjust? Um, rural Utah, how can we capitalize on making sure people can live in rural Utah but work anywhere around the world and we have to do that with infrastructure so i think lots of different things uh for this legislative session but i think it'll be all about coming out of of covid and the recovery and making sure utah's positioned in a really good spot well these are such great and important issues uh one thing you alluded to a little bit that i was curious about too is uh because of amendment g that the voters uh voted on and passed recently, you, you were already able to take some pretty serious action in terms of funding for public education. Yeah, yeah, great. Thanks for that question. I appreciate it. So 
the voters um, on the on the ballot this last year was Constitutional Amendment G, which allowed for the opening slightly of the income tax for people with disabilities and programs for children. And so what came with that was a guarantee for public education in terms of uh, we guaranteed inflation, we guaranteed growth. And this year, actually, in uh, executive appropriations, they gave a very significant investment a year earlier than they, than the guarantee allowed. So um, last week, executive appropriation actually put in over $400 million into public education right off the table. They took that right off the table. Um, there's no debate over it now. Uh, it'll be passed in base budgets in early February. That's a huge win for public education as they're going to get over a 6% WPU. And like I mentioned, um, the inflation and the growth components as well. Yeah, inside wow. that, too, so much done already, is, Abby. Yeah. And the other thing inside that, too, is the $121 million of a, of a COVID stipend for teachers and people within the school. So janitors and aides librarians, everybody that's really helping our students get through this pandemic um, will receive a pretty significant um, bonus. Abby, that's going to have to be the end of this segment right here for us. But your insights have been so much appreciated. Thanks for doing all the great work. And even if we don't always see your name, we know you're behind the behind the effort often. So thank you very much. Yes, I, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, you too. Here's- all right. Before we leave, you're going to want to stay with us today. When we come back, Spencer Stokes. What's happening in D.C.? What are the big stories of the year? This is going to be a very interesting segment. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.